0: <talking> and
1: <singing> Hello and welcome to Live with the Seasons. This is the summer episode, and I'm your host, Valerie Segrist. And I am Elise Crone. And it is the t- busy time. It's warm outside. People are moving around. Everything's in full-on glory here in the Pacific Northwest, and I know that this is Elise's happy time. Elise, tell me what you think about this season. I have been waiting for summertime,
0: and we have finally landed. Uh, Solstice is right around the corner for us right now, and it's warm. The berries are ripe and ready to be picked, and we are so excited to be sharing this time with you and coming together today in a special way.
1: Yes, this is the season really about gathering together and we have gathered together for the first time in person for the recording of this podcast. So we're live in studio. We are all alive here in the studio. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> and we have
1: <laughs> and we have the most special guest with us today, Dr. Gary Ferguson. Gary, do you want to introduce yourself?
2: Sure, thanks Val. Um, So I'm Gary Ferguson, I'm a naturopathic physician, and I currently work at Washington State University at a research institute focused on indigenous health called IREACH. It's a long name, it's the Institute for Research and Education to Advance Community Health, where I serve as a research associate professor and the director of outreach and engagement for our institute working in our indigenous communities.
1: Thank you for joining us today. I'm excited to talk to you about this season and every time I hear you speak, here's the thing about this podcast, which is really exciting for me. And I know Elise, we talked about this as well. Um, We get to share like the inner conversations that we have with our colleagues and comrades and you're so at the center of that and to be able to bring our our listeners into these conversations is so special. That's really part of gathering together as well. And one of the things that you talk about so well and just so poetically is where you're from and what it's like. Can you tell our listeners about where you're from, what it's like and what's going on in the seasons?
2: Sure. I'd be honored to. So, I'm Ununga or Aleut, originally from the Shimigan Islands community of Sam Point. Um, we're about 720 miles southwest of Anchorage. And I grew up on a small island community where seven miles by nine miles is the size of our island. Um, didn't feel that small as a child growing up or when you visit it, because we actually have a mountain on the island as well. Um, but we're fishing people. I'm a enrolled member of the Kagantagungan tribe and We're all about salmon and fish and ocean and um, coast. And so um, currently live in Seattle, um, in Belltown, down by the water. I'm so lucky to live by the ocean and the ocean and the energy of the ocean, fishing, fishing boats. Um, In Seattle, I've noticed the tribal fisheries um, fishing right outside the docks um, from where we live, which is so exciting because it reminds me of this time of year at home where our first salmon openers are happening and the town is vibrant and alive with fresh fish and excitement over the season and hoping for good weather because uh, the water's still pretty cold in Alaska in June and so we celebrate the the beginning of the salmon season and the harvesting of the salmon which brings um, sustenance to our homes with the the fresh fish as well as um, you know, a cash crop for us because that's our, that's our way of living in the Aleutian region. So, you know, home has been a place where, you know, I think about my home in Sandpoint, which I lived there until I was 18 and then left. Um, and I haven't been home in the, the same capacity other than as a professional. Now I, I served as a clinician out there four or five years um, going through our, our villages and working and serving our people. And I've been so honored to serve our people in varying capacities over the year years and you know home is um, definitely a place where of course it, it goes with me it's in my heart and at the same time it's tied to geography and certain smells and this time of year the the golden crown sparrow has showed up and you know that characteristic sound of uh, that that sound that you hear that reminds you of the season and with it comes smells and the tundra is alive and fresh and that smell of, of tundra and the berries ripening um, bring back so many memories for me as a kid growing up and picking berries. And of course we know berries are, are coming um, into their, their fruit stage very early compared to what it used to be. Um, But this time in the Alaska in, in the Aleutian region, it's just a very vibrant and green time. Um, Lots of smells and, um the ocean um it's just uh, as I think about it right now i'm I'm back home right now,
0: Gary, I know you've talked a lot about salmon berries, one of our favorite berries in the season. Do you have anything to share?
2: Totally, I love salmon berries, and of course, our island community we we um we boast of some of the largest salmon berries in the world, I think um they're huge um I have ants that show them off we we freeze them um by the berry on Uh, cookie trays so that we can preserve them in their full um, beauty Um, but we've got all the varieties and colors of salmon berries that grow on the island and it's a big deal we have salmon berry bushes all over the place Um, so when it comes to harvesting it's it's a big deal and everybody talks about how how many salmon berries they got and where they got them because there's There's so much, there's plenty for everybody. And I can't say that about certain places here in the the larger urban settings. You have to be really careful and harvest very respectfully as we do there too. But there's, there's, there's a bounty of salmon berries on the Island and we're known for our salmon berries, Um, which we know salmon berries incredibly delicious. Um, when i could um, eat milk um, we would have it with milk and a little bit of sugar as kids Um, and of course we know that um, salmon berries by themselves are just amazing um, however you make them
0: Mm. and thinking about when we're harvesting different berries i know you've talked about the changes in alaska over the last several years will you share a little bit about that
2: sure so you know some of the elders that I've I've talked with, I've been in this space around food and food sovereignty and our traditional plants and food as medicine for quite some time. And as a lifelong learner, um, you know, I, I love to listen to what the elders say about how things used to be and how they are now, because it helps us understand the changes that have taken place over the years, including now we know climate change is a big deal. And my grandfather um, Emil Gunderson spoke about um, when he was young, he used to be able to row between the islands and the storms weren't as vigorous or as often with these vigorous winds. And now, you know, you wouldn't think about doing that because you never know when the wind can pick up any any day and be blowing 50 or 60 or 70 knots before too long. Right. So you have to be extra careful now in navigating the, the waterways as well as the barriers are showing up um, sometimes months earlier than they used to be. An elder that we interviewed in Southeast Alaska spoke about how the berries, when he was a kid, and he was in his 80s when we interviewed him several years ago, he shared that when he was a kid, the berries were two months later than they are now. So dramatic changes. Um, We used to think of the salmon berry as a harbinger of the salmon and when the salmon were in the streams. And now it's not quite uh, timed the same way because they're often ready before the salmon are in the streams, depending upon where you're at. Um, but there's also a silver lining with the change. And this is where I always like to frame things positive that there's a possible way to do so. And um, one of my teachers, um, the beloved Dr. Rhea Blumenstein, um, a Yupik tribal doctor, healer, um, told me and has shared many things with me over the years, but one of the things she shared was that, you know, the berries and and the plants and the animals too, the fish, as you partake in, the, in these incredible nutrient-dense foods, they also help us adapt to the environment. So the plants are adapting to the environment, the animals are adapting to the environment, and they transmit that energy, that adaptability to us, which is a really powerful concept when we think about it, that you know we get to help um, adapt and and thrive in this planet that is changing. And, of course, we know that that doesn't stop us from being more conscious about what we're doing and um taking a step back and not being as harsh on the planet with, with how we are um, the disposable economy that we have right now to where we start thinking more about, you know, being kind to the earth. But at the same time, the earth itself, the plants, the animals are helping us understand that by being a part of them and by harvesting them and respectfully um, honoring them with the energy that they bring our bodies and our spirits and our minds, um, that helps us adapt to our environment and this change that's taking place all around us
1: yeah you're reminding me of the point that you know gathering together is about humans coming together this is you know the season where canoe journey is happening in the northwest and we're out making memories on the land harvesting our berries um, really taking notice of things like salmon berries coming you know into season and also the that relationship with plants that we're not just gathering with humans that we're also gathering collectively with plants and that's really what we hoped you know to get to with this podcast is to help remind people that when we live really deeply connected to the seasons that we can become more attuned to what's going on around us and build that confidence in that you know n- natural apothecary that's right outside our door what are some things that we can do to adapt to what we're facing, the challenges that we're facing. I mean, I, lo- I love that, you know, Rita uh, is reminding us that plants adapt and we can too, right?
2: Exactly. And, you know, I want to give a shout out to another elder that um, has been influential in my life that now is also in the spirit world and, and an ancestor, um, the elder Howard Luke, who is Athabascan in And I got to spend uh, an amazing week with him and a a group of folks at his camp near Fairbanks. And he shared about how as we partake in the environment, the plants especially, um, but the animals as well, that um, we have this commensal relationship with the environment. And if we don't partake in that, if we don't participate in that, then they'll go away, is what he said. And I think it's a really powerful way of looking at how we are stewards. We are connected to our environment. And by participating, being out in it, we help it thrive. And we get to thrive too by being in that environment. Um, Forest bathing, you know, and these concepts now that of course become, you know, quite, you know, we give it a bougie name, right? But as far as all of a sudden, it's like forest bathing, going for a walk in nature, you know, in, in a park. It's like that actually reduces blood pressure. And is healing. It's an anti-inflammatory, just being in that environment. And we know that berries are incredibly anti-inflammatory. I was just at a gathering um, with a tribal nation in the Phoenix area, the the Pima-Maricopa Indian community, and was with some neuropathologists, and we were talking about um, Alzheimer's and related dementia. And, you know, it's scary to look at, like, for example, long COVID and the inflammatory response in our bodies and the effect on our brains. And some of the preliminary data is shocking when we think of what we might be facing for those of us who have long COVID and the the implications on your brain and your cardiovascular health. And one of the comments that was made by one of the neuropathologists really struck me was, you know, inflammation drives the damage to the brain and to the cardiovascular system. And without that inflammation, we wouldn't be seeing these changes in our brains. We wouldn't be seeing the damage, and when we think of diabetes and cardiovascular disease, and some of the things that are especially affecting um, our native populations, and and also those of low um, socioeconomic status as well, um, inflammation is a driver. And so, what can we do to reduce the inflammation in our bodies? And these incredible foods that are that are ripe right now and soon to be ripe are incredible anti-inflammatories, including. Fish, right? Hmm. Uh, there was a study in the Norton Sound region in Alaska, the Gokanan study, that showed that um, a diet rich in salmon and seal oil, believe it or not, um, healthy fat, um, reduced the um, pre diabetes symptoms as well as cardiovascular disease. So the more you ate those foods, which was a proxy for more traditional foods, right? If you ate salmon and seal oil, most likely you're eating berries and, um, greens and you know harvesting um off the beach and the seaweeds as well you know these foods promote health and well-being and are just naturally anti-inflammatory and, and I think it helps us understand what can we do there's so much fear out there about Alzheimer's and related dementia and those of us who have it in our families and rather than be afraid to do something you know participate get out in nature connect with our plants and our foods that come from this incredible environment And with that is also this call to say, protect the environment, right? You know, be respectful, take care of the environment. You know, these are traditional values that, you know, will perpetuate the the opportunity for our future generations to have these incredible medicines and foods.
1: I think it is really important to drive home the point that being outside, taking care of the environment is part of the good nutrition. It's part of the medicine. We don't have like a... A vitamin that's defined in you know nutrition science yet that is the gift of gathering together the gift of being outside the gift of really deeply respecting the environment and answering a call to action you know and I and I think part of it for us is the call to action is to address the inflammatory conditions that we're in like on the cellular level inside of our body, but also globally and communally. And I really value what you shared about that. Cause it so succinctly points to how we're connected to nature and how we rely on these foods for good health. We rely on plants for good health. We rely on clean drinking water mm. for good health and Elise, do you want to talk about how important it is to drink water, especially with plants inside of it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: summer is a great season to talk about beverages. And Val, we did the Native Infusion Rethink Your Drink uh, toolkit many years ago and went down the rabbit hole around just how powerful changing what you drink can impact your health. And Gary, I've heard you talk about this a lot as a naturopath. And, in your work with indigenous health and wellness. And, uh, and so I think about this in summertime. We need to hydrate. It's hot. Um, and what are the things that we can drink? Water, of course, being the most important thing. We are made of water. And then simple things you can do, like some mint or lemon balm or squeezing some berries into your water and making flavored waters, which are really popular. And a lot of them that are on the market have sugar in them. And other hidden ingredients. And this is a great time for smoothies, which I know you're really passionate about, Val. And that um, you don't have to add juice, which is really sugary. Actually, orange juice has a ton of sugar in it or apple juice. But just to put the berries and some yogurt and some really amazing water and cinnamon, which is going to help balance your blood sugar.
1: Yeah, berries are one of those first foods of North America, you know, of our entire continent that they grow everywhere. Raspberries, blueberries, they're from here and are prolific and we can grow them really easily. Right, Gary? Just Mm -hmm. right out on your patio um, in downtown Seattle, you can grow berries pretty easily. Um, What are some other medicine, medicinal qualities of berries?
2: Well, I, I think about um, the microbiome and its role in our overall health and well-being as well, which is now this incredible, expansive industry, right? There's lots of probiotics for this and probiotics for that, and berries are a natural probiotic as well as they help to feed the the natural gut microflora. And when we think of brain health and overall well-being, so much is connected to our, our guts, Um around 95% or so of our serotonin is created in our gut. You know, if people think of serotonin with your brain and of course it does affect your brain, right? It affects your brain health and your ability to think right and to, to have a healthy worldview in, you know, by by eating these natural foods that are rich in probiotics and um, helping the gut microflora thrive, they help our brains be healthy and help our perspectives as well as overall risk factors for diabetes and cardiovascular disease and Alzheimer's and related dementia, all of those are affected by this 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 healthy gut, right? And so berries are amazing for a healthy gut, and and of course they taste great. And as Elise was saying, you know, put them in your water, um, put them on your salads, put them in your oatmeal for breakfast in the morning. Um, berries go well with pretty much every meal of the day, including um, your nighttime snack. If you're going to have something before you go into bed, berries much better than cereal or whatever else, whatever com- of the comfort food we have, um, berries, much better. Uh, maybe some nuts with there too. If, if you're going to go think about a nighttime snack, berries and nuts, good for blood sugar control at night rather than something super sweet.
1: So helpful. And they can also be incredible beverages. Like we think about berries as the, using the fruit, but the leaf is also really medicinal. Mm-hmm. I have been already drying uh, strawberry leaf,
0: salmonberry leaf, thimbleberry, raspberry, and we make a wild berry tea that is one of the favorites. We bring it to events and even serve it to kids, and they love it. And you can add a little bit of hibiscus, which is really high in vitamin C and is cooling and also turns the tea this beautiful huckleberry red color. So, so many of the berries are, you can just dry the leaf, Huckleberry lowers blood sugar and it um, strengthens our eyesight and our whole cardiovascular system. So it is a great time to not only be harvesting the berries, but also the berry leaves.
1: So, Elise, you're talking about this um, beverage curriculum and it's reminding me of the first time that we met Gary. And you know when you have these moments where somebody says something and you're like, you're going to be my best friend forever? Gary, (laughs) this incredible uh, slide that was, again, so succinct, so on point, so like, no duh, common sense in the moment, about the nutrient density of our foods. And do you know what slide I'm talking about, Gary?
2: Yeah, totally, totally. Totally. Yeah, so it was a slide I actually borrowed from our our Canadian Inuit um, population. And, of course, in Canada, our traditional foods are called country foods. And the slide actually, you know, portrays... um, the iron rich seal meat or, or traditional meats compared to hot dogs. And, you know, it's really it kind of guides you through the fact that, you know, as far as like one portion of seal meat, um, would be how many portions of hot dogs, and you'd have to eat fifty-six hot dogs to equal Which one is, ounce of seal meat. The, the iron density. It's so and, gross! Can yeah. you imagine eating fifty-six hot dogs? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you know when when I was in um, Alaska working for the Rural uh, Community Action Program, Rural CAP, um, we um, had an issue with our kids as far as like some of the Head Start programs looking at um, iron deficiency anemia and. Part of it was looking at like how do we have these traditional foods so moose and caribou and you know some of our communities in the north, walrus and seal um deer and elk I mean these are incredibly iron rich foods, and you know the nutrient density of traditional foods foods that grow in the environment is just off the charts compared to food that's grown in warehouses and you know all these things that we do to food um, and food like substances right so you know these Foods are like medicine, and the dense properties. And you know, as Dr. Rita likes to say, you know, some of these plants that are really small and fruits that are really small are powerhouses of medicine and nutrition. And I'm thinking about like our wild strawberries, right? Which you know, I know that's one of your your plants. And of course, the straw you know, strawberry leaves, as Elise was saying, but there's incredible nutrition in that small little wild strawberry, and in the incredible flavor. Um, In the Aleutian region, we have, I don't know how they got there, maybe a bird brought them or somebody had them on their equipment that brought them out. But we have wild strawberries growing through some of our island communities and, of course, the sandy soil, perfect for wild strawberries. And they're incredibly favorable. And, of course, growing in the environment, you know, these plants also are not only nutrient dense, but they are adapting to this changing climate. And so, again, back to that adaptation, you know, by eating these foods and by getting out in the environment, right, we need to be outside. We have nature deficiency. <laughs> um, right, mm. you know, and so I feel like, you know, one of the things a pandemic taught me is like you don't need to um, stay inside to isolate yourself. You can be outside. And so for many of us, I mean, we had times of hiking in the mountains and along the beaches. Of course, we were isolating so we weren't around people, but we were outside. And so for many of us, our nature um, um, connection grew stronger for me. I know it did. I just, I had a lot more time to get outside and I took zoom meetings with me on my iPhone outside. And so I'm like, you know, I'm bringing you with me here. We're being outside and, and just being in nature is medicine, um, beyond collecting plants or hunting or fishing or growing things, you know, nature itself is medicine. And I think as one of my teachers taught me, sometimes, We think we have to do something to get a result. And what she taught me was just being present, letting the sound of the ocean or the sound of the river or the sound of the wind and the leaves and the trees, that is medicine. And it's powerful medicine, way way more powerful than we realize.
0: Such a beautiful teaching for summer, just being in the moment, in the power of now with that wild strawberry taking it in fully Mm.
1: and that we also have these teachings they come across a lot in our creation stories around how it's the small things that create really a big change you know like the small seemingly insignificant tiny little berry that creates big powerful medicine really in our body and even like the subtle change of Shifting your perspective to really be in the moment present and now and how that can actually have major impacts on on our body and on our health. When we're when we're strong, when we strengthen that like mental uh, focus and energy, our remedies can be received in some in such a better, more effective way. Um, Like we're, we're always saying, you know, thank the water before you drink it. Uh, or think about, like, ask the plant for the healing before you put that salve on, and then it's way more effective. Have you come across any research like that?
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, in speaking about intention and intentionality, that you have a much better outcome with that medicine or whatever you're taking when you have that mind trust connection, you know, that this is going to do something for my body. And I I am thankful for that by receiving that in and having that connection to not only the medic- medicinal properties but also the mind body connection right we know the placebo effect is really powerful and we've studied that quite well even without the medicine itself and when you have the medicine along with this understanding that you trust the medicine and you're thankful for the medicine right you you have a prayer or ceremony and Reminds me of some of the work that Dr. Michelle kahn is doing, who's a Navajo researcher, around ceremony. And the fact that a Navajo ceremony that they've researched in her community showed that there were some amazing effects. Of course, those that participated in the ceremony had wonderful qualitative outcomes of feeling better and less stressed. But you also saw some interesting dynamics of anti-inflammatory properties of ceremony. And to me, that is so compelling as we look at the ceremony of even being grateful for what you're you're taking in, um, the prayer of intention and gratefulness. You know, that is ceremony, right? And it's powerful medicine, way more powerful than we realize. And I think more of us need more ceremony in our lives, right? From, you know, collecting plant with intention and gratefulness, thanking the plant or the animal or the fish, or the life that it brings you in the environment, you know, saying a prayer or a meditation or a, a traditional song as you're out in nature that connects you and it guides you and it grounds you and it creates um, this positive energy, energy inside your body. So I, I feel like that that part, that mind, body, spirit connection to ceremony and connection and grounding is is part of that huge amount of medicine that we get when we're in nature and when we're participating in activities in nature. Um, and it's one that, you know, I think as we do it more often, the more that we realize that those benefits go, go a long ways in helping and promote well being for, you know, times that we don't have access to it. Like for those that live in cities and urban environments, we may get out in nature, you know, rarely, but when we do, it's profoundly impacting our lives. Right. So, you know, little doses of nature can be incredibly profound as well. It doesn't need to be full days or um, weeks in nature. It could just be a dose once a week or twice a week. You know, I say a dose, it's medicine, right?
1: Right, right. And in a society of being so, like, we're so inundated with opportunities to disassociate, how important reassociating with all those things really are and that this is that season it's just so undeniable that everything around us is asking you to be present and together um, in community with the season so what do we got for our listeners we're gonna reassociate <laughs> we're gonna be outside yeah get connected what are some other things that people can do in this season to uphold their health i think about
0: gratitude Gary you're talking about how powerful that is and and to notice um the things that we're grateful for on a daily basis really helps us to generate uh awareness and also bursts generosity you know the more that we're grateful for the more kind of generous we become and and that leads to not just generosity of giving but also receiving with a full heart and full presence which makes us feel more full and happy and summer. It's like, this is the time feed our hearts, feed that hunger that we have for connection.
2: Yeah. yeah that brings up a really uh, great thought and a, and um, and a connection that I just had this flash of this incredible community that I just love um, and a shout out to the community of Accutane, which is in the Aleutian region. And one thing I really appreciate about that community is they, when traditional foods are harvested or like they have halibut or a seal or whatever they're harvesting. um, They shout out on the radio, Hey, we're coming to the beach, come down to the beach, bring your bag or your bucket. And, um, and then elders get shared this, these amazing traditional foods. And that's one community where the salmon berries are all around the homes and stuff. So literally you don't even need to go anywhere. Just go outside and pick your salmon berries. Um, A community so rich in resources, But one thing that I really appreciate about it from a traditional perspective, um, they take care of elders. And elders are held and those who have less resources we share. And I think that's also a part of community and gathering and connecting with nature is those that don't have as much we get to share. And in giving, it gives such an amazing feedback to us as well. Like through the gift of giving, we receive so much more. And our children grow up with that. I mean, those are some traditional cultural values that we have as indigenous people is we take care of our, our elders and those that have less than us. And in so giving, we get so much back. And I think that's how nature works, right? I mean, nature gives us, but we're also in gratitude. We give back. Um, We're thankful. We, we offer ceremony. We offer gifts back to nature in the form of prayers and, and or other things, a little bit of tobacco for some of our cultures that we give back to our our ancestors, our our plant relatives, right? We talk about them as our relatives, and I think it's just this whole circular connection as communities and as people and as living things, all living things. There's this sense of gratefulness and respect, and taking care of each other, and I think it's one thing out of the pandemic that I especially appreciate now that we're in person. And we get to hug each other again. I mean, it's like, I have been so hug deficient. I've been missing this connection. And and I think that's one thing that I don't want to lose is, is that deep appreciation for the fact that we can be together. And that is part of the, the medicine too, right? I mean, we rarely go out and harvest by ourselves. We often bring our family, our friends, um, and harvest together. And that's also, you know, that group connection and medicine and community.
1: Yeah, I think another thing that's really coming up for me is the the idea of being a part of something like a sense of belonging, citizenship, the transformation that can happen when we are you know integrated into our food system. That announcement on the radio that people are waiting to hear what joy that brings and how different that is from the consumer mindset of a of you know the common standard american diet which is more is better you know you have to eat 56 hot dogs to hit that nutrient density in just a small amount of our of our traditional foods and so when we are intentional about eating things that are nutrient dense and incorporating more methods like putting plants in water and drinking you know, berry leaf tea, we can increase our nutrient density without making a great impact. We can share that with elders and create memories and stories. And that is not something that we get just going to to the supermarket. It requires us to go outside as well.
2: And and one of the things that I really especially appreciated as I visited your tribal nation, the Muckleshoot people, I was really impressed with um, the the nettle tea that is offered to the elders um, at the senior center there and you know the elders enjoying this connection and you know that's thanks to the foresight of of you and those that have led that way of you know we take care of our elders we connect them to the environment and maybe they're not able to get out as much as they used to we get to bring it in as well as it's so nutritionally dense of course you know net come up in our spring primarily but we can dry them and i know that's been a, a big medicine of yours in the muckle shoot. Um, that I just was, I was just impressed by. And of course, all the elders drinking that and, and having that as something that's a part of the nutrition. And again, you know, back to the water.
1: Right. I know my, my community makes me proud every single day. And that is one of my favorite stories. And a- another one of just introducing a traditional food that became, a, well, it's a traditional beverage really uh, in this case. But it became something that was required, you know, it was an expectation. And what an amazing expectation to have nettle tea every single day given to your elders. Yes. Like we didn't have to have policy change for that. None of this. Other, it was like really the people and our most respected, you know, population, our elders asking for that and people answering the call. Now it's a place in the community. Everyone knows they can get to every day to have a cup of nettle tea. And then my little nutritionist heart can sleep well at night knowing that everybody got their (laughs) dose of calcium for the day. (laughs) Yes, Gary, thank you for joining us as our listeners might've noticed. This is a different, um, you know, lay of the land than we usually have. It's usually a, an interview, but we really wanted to invite in the idea of gathering together and keep you with us because you're so full of wisdom. And I'm wondering on that note, do you have any final words or anything you'd like to share with them?
2: Thank you again for having me. I'm so honored to to be a part of this podcast and just the spirit of this work that we're doing together collectively and gathering together with our minds and our spirits and inspiring each other. I'm inspired by our conversation today. Um, I have a Dr. Rita quote that I'd like to share that I think really encapsulates some of the powerful wisdom as we reclaim our connection to our first foods, our water, and the importance of um, these nutrient-dense traditional foods that we actively participate in taking in and, and being um, in gratitude for. And Dr. Rita speaks a lot, of course. I've got many quotes that have inspired me, but one of them in particular speaks to healing of our generations. And you know, by participating in collecting our traditional foods and being in nature, we are healthier, And it brings healing to our bodies and our minds and our spirits. And she shares, the past is not a burden. It is a scaffold which brought us to this day. We are free to be who we are, to create our own life out of our past and out of the present. We are ancestors. When we can heal ourselves, we also heal our ancestors, our grandmothers, our grandfathers, and our children. When we heal ourselves, we heal Mother Earth. And I think it's profound wisdom as we look at this intergenerational healing that's happening right now. And the the needs of nature in Mother Earth, and when we think of climate change, we are healing Mother Earth through healing ourselves. And it's a powerful connection, right? As we heal ourselves, we heal Mother Earth. That's powerful. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. It's such an honor to spend time with you as always and fun. (laughs) And uh, yes, to our dear listeners, may you heal yourselves and the land and your relationships with the land and one another and for future generations. Have a good summer season and we will see you in the fall. With the Seasons is hosted by me, Valerie Segrist, and Elise Crone. This podcast is in collaboration with the Urban Indian Health Institute, Feed Seven Generations, and Tahoma Peak Solutions. It is edited and produced by Savannah Romero and Ishkwaje Shane Maksabi. Our theme song is River Spirit by Shinoa Igawa. Thank you for listening.